Hey everyone, it's Pacific, and welcome back to another episode of SCP Archives. Just a reminder, Serapis is a 12-episode story told week to week. Um, while you can jump in anywhere, for the best listening experience, we suggest that you start with Serapis Part 1, 2022, and then catch up to us here. In other news, there's not too much to talk about this week. Uh, we are getting very, very close to some very, very exciting announcements, but nothing I can talk about quite yet. Um, uh, right now, the team is mainly just hard at work on finishing Serapis, uh, and we've already begun production on Season 5, which will be our next anthology season, running from May all the way through to the end of October. And as a quick reminder, we did recently launch a new true crime podcast called Insidious Inspirations, where each week we look at our favorite horror films and the true and very chilling stories that inspired them. If you're a fan of horror movies, I highly suggest you check it out. Um, myself and Addison Peacock are both writers on this show, and Nicole Goodnight, who you might recognize from SCP Archives, is our narrator. It's a really fun show, and we really love doing it, and we'd love if you came and checked us out. Aside from that, no other news, so enjoy this week's episode. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. This is Agent Hector Gallio. The following is classified level 5 under Project Serapis. O5 eyes only. Investigation into anomalous events in and around Shibbetsville, Montana has revealed the police reports concerning the quasi-religious group known as the Children of the New Dawn that settled in the area in 1966 and remained there until 1968. The circumstances in which they left Shibbets Vale are not recorded by the police. Going by the official record, the Children of the New Dawn just upped and left one day. That made me suspicious. During the course of this project, I deployed Foundation assets to infiltrate the state and local police and search for records and evidence potentially related to anomalous events. One of these assets, posing as a low-level employee of the State Department of Justice, conducted extensive searches of the department's evidence depositories and found a cache of 120mm film canisters and 8-track tapes was sent to the Montana Department of Justice Criminal Investigations Department sometime in the 1980s. The tapes were either deliberately suppressed or not considered to have evidentiary value at the time. They were subsequently transferred to digital formats and sent to me for review. These film and sound recordings were from the children of the New Dawn's occupation of a compound constructed around the abandoned buildings of an army base that once stood in Shibbets Vale. In particular, vehicle and aircraft hangars were repurposed for growing marijuana. The rest of the compound was tents and a few cabins. No definitive numbers exist for the size of the group, but the footage confirms a minimum of 40 individuals resident there. After watching the tapes, I realized why they had been kept secret by the police and why the children of New Dawn were gone. The children of New Dawn were sworn by Emil Nelson, a petty criminal and amateur musician from San Francisco, California. I couldn't find much on his early history, but he had several run-ins with the law in California, including theft and drug offenses. 
is 28 years old when he arrived in Shibbets Vale with a small following in tow and set up his combination of religious retreat and drug production facility. Other prominent members attested to by the tape include Polly Posniak, Nilsson's romantic partner, Timothy Fisk, a former UC Berkeley chemistry student, and Eugene Grimes, former car mechanic from Oakland. The children of New Dawn were an example of the new religious movements that grew up in the 60s and 70s around San Francisco in particular, as an alternative to traditional religion. Most of them were benign, but a few, like the Manson family, were not. The tapes focus on the events of the summer of 1968, many of which were filmed by the group's members. Additional tapes are of sermons delivered by Nelson, and numerous recordings of the music he performed during the group's religious observations. Seeker, just follow the way. Leave the selfish world behind. Come to where the children stay, seeking to unlock your mind. We are the children of a new dawn and day, following Emile's way. Take a trip to make you free. Throw away those mental chains. Join us here among the trees, never coming home again. We are the children of a new dawning day, following Emile's way. There was a man named Emile, sent to change the world, they say. Teach the children how to feel, all who follow on the way. We are the children of a new dawning day, following Emile's way. The following sound recording is not dated, but appears to be from the period after the children of the new dawn had established their compounds and began to fortify its perimeter. Children of the new dawn! Some of you have come to me and asked, what lies beyond? Emile, you say, you speak of going beyond the prison of our minds. But what are we going to find there? And I say, well, how can I describe what can't be described? You have to abandon your senses, abandon the logic of your prison mind just to see it. Of course, our language, which was created by society and the establishment, can't describe the unknowable. I'll try. It's the truth of the world. It's the shape of things the way they really are. The people back in the selfish world in their society are afraid of the truth because it says they don't deserve their power and their money. They made the lie to protect themselves. But when you stop believing, when you let go of the way they say your mind is supposed to work, you see the truth behind. Everything changes, man. Two plus two doesn't equal four anymore. Up is down. All you have to do to prepare is accept it'll all be different. Open your mind. Force it open. Leave her it open with the chemical sacrament. Here ends the lesson, children of the new dawn. Brother Eugene and Sister Polly will have the week's assignments. Hi. Uh, thanks, Emil. So, Mark and Dwayne... You guys are on the latrines. Okay, I know. But you guys were stoned on watch. And you know the rules, right? And you cats from the campers are guarding the perimeter and the gate. I got a roster here. No sneaking away, because that's not groovy. We'll be checking. Sister Polly has the agriculture assignments. Candy and Maurice? Your teams are tending the crop in the hangars again. 
Hester's team, you try to get the vegetable garden going. Doc, just keep on doing your thing. The last batch was real good, and the buyers want all you can cook. The rest of you, we got supply runs to do. We need gas and fertilizer, and also some, you know, some, like, actual food. Times are hard, children, but we knew they would be. These are the tribulations before the time of freedom. They will try to seduce you with their beautiful eyes again, but you are stronger than they are. You are the children of the new dawn. You are the walkers on Emile's way. The following is audio from a film recording that's not dated. It takes place inside a large dark tent. The floor is covered with cushions. A man identified as Timothy Fisk, nicknamed Doc, sits cross-legged. He wears sunglasses and a lab coat over a knee-length shirt. Polly Posniak enters the frame and sits cross-legged on the cushion floor. You wish to take the sacrament, baby girl? Please. I need something, Doc. I need it bad. Come on. Talk to your doctor. You got trouble inside. A real storm in there. And I have never seen you less mellow. Emil, this place... It seems... I don't know. Hollow, maybe? Like, Emil wasn't giving us the whole truth. Like he brought us here for some other reason. He talks about the unlocking our minds and him being the prophet, but where is the promised land? When do we get enlightened? You talk to him. No, I'm scared. Fear was made by the man, baby girl. It ain't real. Doc, you know what happened to that girl, Jessie? Or the girl from France, um, Seveline, Sejeline, something like that. Ah, they fell by the wayside, man. The tree is always gonna drop a few leaves. No, Doc. Emil and three of the guys went to Jesse's tent. I saw them carrying something out of there in a sleeping bag. Then Emil and the guys were out in the woods for half the next day. He said they were praying with him. Their jeans were covered in mud when they came back. I don't think Jessie fell by the wayside. I think she's still here, in the ground. And I heard Emile was sweet on the French girl. He was going to have a harem like the pharaohs because they were gods on earth and so was he. But the girl didn't like it and I heard them arguing. The next day, Emil had bruises on his face. And he took one of the men and drove somewhere. He didn't tell anyone where and came back late. I'm sorry, Doc, but I think the French girl was in the trunk. Those are just the ones I got reason to suspect something bad happened to him. How many people have left? They're gone one day and we never see them again. You got questions, baby girl. Questions. They're, they're like the little beetles in your brain. They bore through it till you got nothing else left in there. Mm -mm. 
you need answers. And you done right to come to me. <laughs> will the sacrament bring me answers? This one will. Doc produces a small carved wooden box and opens it, taking out some strips of paper from inside. Been seeking the bounty of the land, man. Ugh, she gives us everything that we need. I found these fruit growing up on the slopes, up where ain't nothing should be except pine needles. And I thought to myself, this is the land hearing us pray and reaching out when we need her. The land is the truth. And I took one bite, ah, uh, I took one bite of that bounty and man, I saw the truth. Talk. I never saw no truth on a trip. I saw things change color and my clothes falling through my body, people walking through the walls. I never saw what Emil promised I would. Is this gonna be different? This is gonna be different, girl child. Doc takes one of the strips of paper and places it on Polly Posniak's tongue. She sits in silence for approximately 30 seconds. Mm. Come on. Talk to the doctor, baby girl. Oh, oh, I'm sinking into the ground. Oh, oh, God, Doc, I'm sinking. I'm with you, Polly. Ride the wave. Just ride it out. <laughs> I can't breathe. It's a bad trip, Doc. It's going real bad. Have faith, baby. Have faith. Look for the truth. Look through the fear. You gotta find the truth. You gotta tear that sucker from the darkness. I can see someone. Oh God, it's so dark. Help me. I can see you. Help me, I'm here. Polly Posniak holds out a hand as if reaching for someone. Her eyes are wide and unfocused with dilated pupils. Doc continues to watch her. beneath the commons. It's, it's, it's huge. It has columns and altars like in Rome. What do you see? Vines growing all around the columns, still growing. And flowers all over the ground. There are flowers under my feet. They're carrying me. There's a woman in the house. She's tall, like a statue. And her skin is green. She's so beautiful. Please, take my hand. Hold me. See where she came from. Oh, it's cold and huge. It's endless. I can see her running. She's running away from from someone. From rules that will ban her from being. She ran through the forest alone, away from her people. 
she finally fell to the ground in a new place. She sank into the earth, and there's a, a shell, like another skin. She grew around her to protect her. She's still asleep, but she can reach out to us. She can touch the animals and the plants. It's all, it's, it's like a picture show in my head. Oh, I see the trees growing and dying, new ones sprouting all at once. There's no words, but I understand. I understand. She wants us to love her, like her people loved her once. She's been alone for so long. The people who come to her, they always go away. She's always sad. She just wants to be happy. Polly Posniak begins to convulse. Doc kneels over her and holds her hands. Come on, stay with me, Polly girl. Just ride it out. Ride the wave. Tell me the truth. Hold me. Save me. I love you. Polly Posniak stops speaking and appears asleep or insensible. Doc sits watching her until the film ends, approximately 30 minutes later. The following is the audio from the film reel dated mid-July 1968. The camera is set up hidden and the picture is partially obscured. It shows the inside of a wooden cabin decorated with brightly colored wall hangings. Emil Nilsson enters, wearing a long tie-dyed robe. He's followed by a Caucasian man in jeans and a brown check jacket. Analysis of the film identified this man as Officer Stephen Markley of the Scarsville Police Department. You're welcome, officer. You want a little something? Uh, no, we uh, keep our heads clear when we're about business. Business? You're the man come for his cut of the pie? Hey, I can dig. We all gotta eat. Almost sounds like you're talking about a bribe, Emil. That's real offensive. Can't believe you'd hurt my feelings like that. So the officer doesn't want to tow? He doesn't want to pay out? What does he want? He wants you gone. We just mind our own business out here, man. If my people have been causing trouble in town, I'll take care of it. Your pack of stoners couldn't stay awake long enough to start anything. I mean, we want you gone, vanished, out of this county, out of this state. What do we do to you, man? It's the stuff, Emil. The product. Half the weed in this state comes out of this compound. Half the acid in the mountain states, too. We had an understanding between us and the cops. We don't bother anyone. We get left alone. If it doesn't come from us, it'll come from somewhere else. Someone way less mellow, too. Who do you think is going to move in if we're gone? Some biker gang or a bunch of mob guys, maybe. Probably selling speed or H, too. Real bad karma shit. That's the thing. We're gonna move in. Us. The cops. Oh, shit! You're taking over! It's pretty simple, Emil. 
We can keep the drugs off the streets. Next dealer's always meaner than the one we put away. So what can we do but take over, handle it ourselves, feed the need, and put all those dealers out of business? And God knows the government doesn't pay us enough for the shit we have to put up with, so we get ourselves the paycheck we deserve at the same time. Everyone's happy. Except for you, which is why I gotta have this little talk with you. This ain't some backyard operation. This is a church. You're talking about burning down Temple Mount. Like, bulldozing Mecca, man. I'm not some dealer you can push around. I'm, I'm the prophet of the truth. The weed ain't even that good, Emil. This ain't the climate for it. Yes, it is, though. Your doc is a genius. He can stay. And it doesn't matter if you're the grand high poobah of upper asswipe. All your holy bullshit isn't going to stop a bullet when we roll in. My people believe in me, Officer Markley. They're not just going to lay down. We know. Some of these poor basses actually think you're what you say you are. That's why when we come round, we'll have all our brothers with us, all with guns, all ready to shoot. There's damn near no official record of anyone even being here. And we know all the best places to bury a body where it'll never be found. As far as the rest of the world is concerned, you led your flock off into the forest and never came back. Or... You see through the weed smoke for long enough to make a good decision for once in your wasted life and haul ass out of here before we drive a backhoe right through that gate. I'm a nice guy, so I'm going to give you seven days. Call it due process. By then you can get across the state line even if you have to walk. I'll, 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 I'll give you guys a cut. I'll give you half. <laughs> Not good enough, Emil. I'll give you a girl. When we take over, I can buy all the girls I want. Be gone, Emil. Seven days. I'll see myself out. Officer Markley leaves. Emil Nelson walks to the camera. Shit! 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 Emil turns the camera off and the film ends. There are no police or other official records of the following events, but they're believed to have happened between the 18th and 25th July 1968. The following is a film sermon taking place in a marquee tent with the members of the Children of the New Dawn sitting on the ground and Emil Nilsson preaching from a stage. Among the audience are Polly Posniak and Gene Grimes. I've walked through the valley of the shadow. Brothers and sisters, I've spent my time in the desert. I took the sacrament. This time, I went further than I ever have. I was blind before. I thought I had unlocked every door there was inside me. But I went deeper, and I saw other walls a man had put up. So I pushed on through and broke them down. I saw what the man had been hiding from us. We got enemies out there. I know. How can anyone hate us when all we do is love one another and make ways for other people to love? But they're jealous. They want to break us down because we know the truth and they can't bear to think of anyone else being happy. They're demons, man. And they don't have red skin or horns. There ain't no smell of sulfur when they come by. No. 
They wear suits and uniforms and friendly smiles. They wield the language of common good and law and order and public decency. They're the tools of the man. But we got tools of our own. Emil Nelson draws a revolver from the holster hidden beneath his robe. Sometimes peace and love isn't enough. They don't act in love. They don't know what love is. They don't want peace. Peace is pain to them. They don't understand our language of the truth. So we gotta speak to them in their own words. We gotta fight. They're coming for us. They're out there and they know we're here. And you know what? I bet they're here already. All mixed in with us. Look to your brother. Look to your sister. We got snakes and rats right here. Take the sacrament. Open your mind. Don't just throw the door open. Rip the freaking walls out, man. All your thoughts, your personality, your memories, your childhood, family, all that bullshit, throw it on out. Cause it's underneath you find the truth. They're out there. They're in here. The enemy, the man. Brothers and sisters, you gotta fight. And every fight needs a general. I am your prophet. I'm your Napoleon. I am the truth. Hey everyone, it's Pacific here with a quick ad break. And a reminder, ad-free and bonus episodes are available at our Patreon at patreon.com slash scp underscore pod. And also available on your Apple Podcasts app, where you can subscribe for just $7.50 a month and get access to SCP Archives, Margaret's Garden, The Hotel, and many more shows. And now, back to our show. The following is the audio from a film made sometime after the preceding sermon was given, prior to the events of 25th July 1968. Shows the inside of a tent lit by a flashlight hanging from the roof. Polly Posniak speaks into the camera. She appears distressed and suffering from lack of sleep. I didn't tell Doc everything. He got what I saw on film, but not what I saw after I passed out. I didn't tell Emil either. I don't know why. It felt private somehow. It's the first thing I've ever kept from him, apart from what I suspected he did with some of the people who disappeared. but. I think he knew I knew. The lady I saw, the green lady with the ferns in her hair, she took my hand and held me close. I told her I loved her because there was so much love in her. And she said, look what I have to show you. Look what will come to be. And she showed me a world of green forests and ocean, mountains, frozen valleys, 
deserts. We flew over it together. She told me it was the future she would bring us. But there were no people. We passed over cities that had fallen down, covered in trees. The windows of the buildings were like the eye sockets in a skull. The cars were all rusted and tangled up in the roots. There were ships washed up on the shores of the oceans, planes lying down where they had fallen. And she brought us down low into one of the forests where these huge trees rose as high as the mountains. Their roots came up above the ground like nests of black worms. She pointed at the roots, and I looked closer. There were bones down there. I saw skulls and pelvises with the roots running through them, and rib cages and thousands other ones I couldn't identify deep in the earth. I knew what had happened without her having to tell me. Their flesh was the earth the forests drew sustenance from. Thousands of them for each tree and millions of trees all over the world, so tall there were clouds around their branches. She was showing me a world of death. It was full of life, but it all came out of death. She was so sad, the lady. So lonely and sad. But she was angry, too. We had chased her out of her home and she was never going to be anyone's prey again. She was going to hunt us instead and turn us into her world of death. I don't know what it means. Is it a riddle I have to solve? Or the things I saw mean something else and I have to work it out? Doc used to, he said the things you see when you take the sacrament aren't just random trips, but they all have meaning, like dreams, and the truth's in there somewhere. But what if it's real? It felt so different this time. What if the lady really is here somewhere, and what she showed me really was the future? What is she going to do to the world? if she wakes up or becomes real or whatever it is she wants. And what would happen to us? The following is the audio from a film taken shortly before July 25th, 1968. It's taken at night and starts out as a tour of the old military base hangars used for growing crops, mainly marijuana. The camera is held by Eugene Grimes, who cannot be seen, but whose voice can be heard as he greets the workers tending the plant beds in the hangar. The workers wear a mixture of ragged casual clothes and white or tie-dyed robes. My man, tending to the good crop, the bounty of the earth. Hey, hey brother Eugene. How's the sacred harvest, man? It's okay, I guess kind of rough, but it gets you there. Bringing us one step closer to the truth here, brother. If the truth is you really want to eat a cheeseburger and fall asleep, 
Then you ride on. Truth be your dawn, brother. Sure, Eugene. You too. What the hell was that? Sounded like a drag race. Eugene Grimes takes the camera outside, where it films the brake lights of a car heading away from him towards the compound gate. The car stops and a figure gets out. Eugene Grimes runs closer and sees it's Emil Nielsen. Emil! Hey, Emil! What's going on? Emil Nielsen unlocks the gate and gets back into the car before Eugene Grimes can get close. The car speeds through the gate and down the track leading away from the compound, spraying mud and stone as its wheels spin. Where you going? Emil! Emil, don't leave us! Don't go! Don't go! Following his audio from a film recorded on the morning of 25th July 1968, shows Polly Posniak sitting outside her tent, talking to the camera. It's evident she's been crying. I just don't understand the world with Emil gone. <laughs> what does anything mean without him? I haven't spent a day without him since I left San Diego. God, it's just so hollow, so empty now. I don't even know if there is a Polly anymore without him. <laughs> Part of me says he hasn't really gone, but I know he has. I just know. Like the way I knew when I was a little girl and our cat died. I walked into the apartment and it was so still and quiet. I just knew. This place is like that now. Is the truth the same now? Is it what Emil preached? Or is it... Oh God, what's happening? Polly Posniak picks up the camera and carries it as she heads towards the disturbance. Other compound inhabitants are walking in the same direction. It becomes apparent the source is a group of people gathering by the perimeter fence. As the camera approaches them, Eugene Grimes runs towards it. Sister Polly, don't look. Please, don't look. What is it, Eugene? Let me see. Please, you can't handle it. What's that supposed to mean? I'm sorry. You have to go. We'll deal with it. Somehow. Out of my way, Eugene. Polly Posniak pushes her way through the small crowd. They're looking down at something on the ground, positioned as if it's been thrown over the fence from outside the compound. The camera briefly focuses on the object. The film must be paused to get a clear view of it. The object is Emil Nilsson's severed head. The following is the audio of a film taken in the afternoon of 25th July, 1968. The camera's placed at waist height, watching the main gate of the compound. A group of the children of the new dawn have gathered there, many of them with bags or suitcases. Emil Grimes runs into frame. You can't go. This is a test. We have to hold on. We have to make it work. We can still see the truth. It's over, Eugene. He's gone. He's dead. Come on, man. You're going to give up what we've made? We live in freaking tents, man. The only one who wasn't out in the mud and rain was Emil. 
We can't grow spit in this ground. We just pray and dig all day. Emil gets everyone's girl, and if we leave, we disappear forever. We, we got families out there somewhere. You got family here. Not anymore. The argument ceases as a large vehicle can be heard approaching. A bulldozer crashes through the main gate. The crowd there scatters. The bulldozer drives clear of the ruined gate and several cars drive through, each with a number of men. The men in plain civilian clothes are all armed. Though they wear no uniforms, they can be assumed to be police officers as among them is Officer Stephen Markley, and they carry a mixture of Smith & Wesson Model 10 revolvers and Remington Model 870 shotguns, both standard issue to police forces in the area at the time. You had your warning? Your missile left you to face the music. Now you're gonna dance. Officers open fire, taking cover behind their cars as a few return shots come from the children of the new dawn. It's not known how many weapons the group possessed, but there's little return fire from them, and they appear heavily outmatched. It's difficult to make out details of the conflict aside from the frequency of gunfire recorded on the film's audio. The police officers spread out, firing as they move. This is my land. The earth and the trees and the mountains. <laughs> That's a meals girl. Take her out. The camera's knocked over and the rest of the recordings rotated 90 degrees. Polly Pozniak enters the frame, alone and unarmed. She's barefoot and wearing a tattered white knee-like dress. Several shots hit her in the torso and limbs and she falls to her knees. You killed the old truth. I am the new truth. Must be PCP that Dombra doesn't know she's dead. Officer Markley walks up to Polly Posniak and puts the barrel of his gun to her forehead. <laughs> Bloody protuberances of woody material, like tree roots, erupt from beneath the skin of Polly Posniak's back and shoulders. Several of them puncture Officer Markley's body and lift him off the ground. Pozniak stands up again, and the earth beneath her breaks and ripples. Roots emerge from the ground and ensnare the other officers. Polly Pozniak is hit by more gunfire, but shows no effect. Her head lolls to one side, and her arms and legs are motionless. But the root-like growths continue to erupt from her body and the earth around her. One police officer can be seen at the edge of the frame being dragged into the ground. Another crawls through the dirt with blood running from his mouth, and a length of torn off roots still protruding from where it's impaled him below the chin. One of the cars sinks into the earth, dragged down by roots looping through its windows and around its wheels. From the sound on the recording, several other officers are maimed or killed by the sudden growths, and the rest that keep firing or quickly retreat. The sound of compacted metal suggests more cars are destroyed. The body of Polyposniak is conveyed on a web of roots across the frame dragging the corpse of Officer Markley behind it. The camera is suddenly jerked away from the scene as if it's been picked up. And after a few moments of rapid movement and panicked breathing, the recording ends. The following is a sound from a film recording that takes place sometime after the afternoon of 25th July 1968, probably the same night. The camera is set up in an area of darkened forest. Eugene Grimes, still wearing a mud-covered tie-dyed robe, speaks to the camera. They're gone. They're dead or run away. And the cops, too. I don't know what the authorities will do. Or if they'll ever know. I'm not going to find out. Polly talked about living off the land. 
and the Earth providing everything we need. I believe her. What she saw in the sacrament, it was real. Maybe Emile's truth was real too, but I never saw it. Polly's, I saw. The forest and the mountain will help keep me alive. The people who lived here long ago knew that. We would dig up the things they left behind when we were plowing for the vegetable patch. Maybe the truth is there, too, in the ground. The truth of those people. I don't know how much longer this thing has to run, and I didn't grab any more film for it when I ran. So this is probably it for me. Brother Eugene, child of the new dawn. Find your truth, brothers and sisters. Break down the walls and find your truth. Eugene Grimes turns off the camera and the recording ends. This is believed to be the final recording from the evidence the Foundation recovered concerning the children of the New Dawn. Records of the events of the 25th July 1968 cannot be found in the archives of local or state police. The Scarslow Police Department have proven adept at covering up the anomalous events in and around Shibbets Vale, and they have learned many of those skills hiding in the aftermath of their unlawful attacks on the children of the New Dawn compound. Officer Markley and several other personnel simply vanished from the police department's employment records. The fates of the children of the New Dawn are simply obscure. If any survivor is told of what happened at the compound, their stories never spread. While it's unlikely a definitive identification can ever be made, the unknown adult male body recovered from Camp Episawa following the murders there in 1987 is consistent with Eugene Grimes. All recovered information has been collected under Project Serapis. This information is classified level 5, 05 eyes only. Agent Hector Gallio, signing off. This episode is possible thanks to our patrons. Joining us this week was American John, Adrian Gutierrez, Nick vs. Nick, No, Hostess Snacks, Cody Petty, Nemo7734, Zachary Blount, Claire Brennan, Mia244, Ace Savage, Alex Abraham, William Sewell, Chris Morales, and Omega Cardi. Thanks, guys. Your support means the world, and it keeps this show going. Project Serapis was written by Ben Counter and narrated by John Grills. Emile was Damon Alonce. Eugene was David Dark. Polly was Addison Peacock. Doc was Shushanted Laka. Marclay was Ben Counter. Worker was Pacific S. Obadiah. And Coltist was Daisy McNamara. Our line editor was also Daisy McNamara. Our sound designer was Dana Creesman, And all of our music is done by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons. I'm your showrunner, Pacific S. Obadiah, and our producers are Tom Owen and Brad Miska. And this is a bloody disgusting show. For more information, visit scparchives.com. <laughs>